You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Good morning, church. How are you guys? Good. Look, I'm not nervous. Um, my voice is shaky because I am a bit cold. So just let the lights warm me up and then I'll be good. Um, but good morning. As Pastor Tim said, um, Johnny and I, we're the youth pastors here at Centro Church. Um, and I just want to say it's an absolute honour to be sharing on a Sunday mor- morning for a first time, continuing our Again series. Thank you, Pastor Tim, Pastor Catherine. Um, and on behalf of um, Johnny, I just want to say thank you so much for your continued prayers and support for Central Youth. You know, we've got some exciting events coming up. We're going into our community to begin some outreach events, which, you know, in turn, we hope that as they experience, you know, the safe environment and just love and interact with our leaders who are going to be there and the youth who are going to come there as well. Um, we're believing that, you know, they're going to come on a Friday night and they're going to hear the word for the very first time and give their life to Christ. So thank you again for your support. Um, and please continue to pray for us and, um, yeah, just for our youth leaders as well who give, who give their time for the youth of, of Ipswich. If you're joining us for the first time, we believe that 2023 is the time for Centro Church to go again, to get up again, to dream again, to work hard again, and to see God move again. And up on the screen behind me, you'll see the foundational text for this series. But just a quick story, I won't read it out loud. Um, But who here struggles with making decisions? You know, whether it's like, yeah, hands up if you want, let's acknowledge our inability to make decisions. You know, like, where are we going to eat? Oh, I don't know. Just, I don't know, just many examples of not being able to make a decision. But um, two two years ago, so Johnny's car, his 1997 Nissan Pulsar, yes, very old car, but um, it stopped working. Um, So we were stuck with just the one car for a bit. And so we weighed our options, and the conclusion was it was worth getting another car as opposed to fixing this 1997 Nissan Pulsar. So with further consideration, we decided on purchasing a brand new car. Now, I know people have mixed reactions about that. You know, don't take a car loan, whatever. Tell me your thoughts later, okay? We'll just deal with it now. Um, But we were at the Gold Coast uh, just for a holiday. And just before we checked into the hotel, we were like, oh, Let's, let's go into a car dealership and look at our options. And we'd already been talking with a few people, you know, what, what cars do they recommend? And we looked at our price range. So we kind of already had an idea. We just wanted to see the car physically. So little did we know, upon walking into the car dealership that morning, in the afternoon, we would walk out with a signed contract for a car. So they got us good with their sales marketing. You know, I remember the guy, he was just standing there, arms crossed, and he's like, what's stopping you? And I was like, oh, that's that's so true. What's stopping me? Um, Because at that point, we were capable of purchasing a new car. But I just remember that moment where we sat in the car and we were just like, what do we do? Do we do it? There's, There's so much pressure. We can't, this is such a big decision to make and we were just racking our brain on what decision to make. Thank the Lord though, two years on, that we have paid off the car loan. Um, So we did make the right decision. Yes, you know, with a baby coming along, we needed a bigger car. Someone gave us a pram the other day and man, do they fit the whole boot of the car? I was like, what? 
I don't know how people with small cars do it, good on them. But I was like, this is the right decision, we got the right car. Um, but, ooh, sorry. But yeah, now it's just a running joke whenever we sit, drive past a car dealership. We're like, remember the time we bought a car? We're just walking in. So don't come with us to car dealerships, we might convince you to buy a car. Um, but I'm sure in the, everyone has had to make a big decision in their life, let alone a commitment in their life, right? Purchasing a car was a financial commitment. But what about choosing, you know, what university degree to study, right? That's like four or more years of commitment. Or accepting a job offer where possibly you might even have to relocate, you know, move, move your whole family. Or what about getting married? Congratulations, by the way. Um, or, or choosing to have a child, right? Today, church, I propose something that we must do in order to ensure that God moves in our lives. And that is, we have to commit to God's plan again. And I believe that God is calling some of you to commit yourselves to Him again, or even for the very first time, if that is actually a decision that you've, you're struggling with or have struggled with. Because in the church context, I'm believing that where there are gaps to serve, you will fill it. There will be no gaps, you will fill it because you are gonna commit yourself to God's plan for your life because the truth is God wants to move in your life. Do you know that? It's not just for your own plans, right? Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. That is God's promise to you. He's not just saying, come follow me, but he's, He is for you as well in whatever you do. And last week, as, and Pastor Tim just spoke on it, but on one, one mission, you know, it's what we do as a church. And there's many local initiatives. There's Hannah's House, there's Life Now, there's Woodlink State School, there's Angel Tree, there's Red Frogs, there's the seminars that we're running. Internationally, we're supporting people in Georgia, in Thailand, in, in Cambodia. We're, we want to reach um, places where, where there's unreached people groups. And we're also future focused. And I was so excited hearing all these things. I hope you were as well. And I'm believing that we will reach people, that we will make more disciples, that we will help those in need because I believe that the city of Ipswich as well can be radically transformed because church, there is so much to do. We see it on the street. I've seen homeless people on the streets. We hear it on the news, all these things that are happening. The harvest is plenty for us together, but the workers are few. Matthew 9, 35, 37, it'll be up on the screen. You can read it yourself. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Whatever gifting you have been given, whatever need has broken your heart that breaks God's heart, whatever opportunity to serve has come your way, Will you commit yourself again to God's plan? And I love um, Saddleback Church's motto, which will be up on the screen as well. It's a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning. God, we give you all the glory, all the honour and the praise that you deserve. And I just pray that through your word, Father God, 
You will sow seeds into the hearts of those who hear it, Father God, in your word. It won't return null and void, Father God. Your promises will come to pass in whatever we commit our, our lives to, Father God, to serve your plan. We're believing for you to move again, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna learn three powerful words this morning, and it's this, here I am. So we're gonna have a few things up on the screen. I'm gonna read the bit before it and I've highlighted what you have to say. Here, I am. And when we get to it, you guys are just, you're gonna say it with authority, with desperation, like God, here I am. Here I am, God. Um, and the first one is, is the story of Moses, right? We love Moses. Part of the Red Sea, God used him, saved a whole nation from the Egyptians. Um, Exodus 3, verses 1 to 10, it says, One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses replied. And then just skipping to verse 10, God says, now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Church, great lives are built on great commitments. No man or woman is born great. And that's why anyone here can be used by God. Great people commit at all costs to great things. That's what makes them great. God has a plan for each and every single one of you. But for Him to execute His plan in your life, it actually rests on your commitment when He calls you. Abraham, he stepped into his call to be the father of all nations. It'll be up on the screen. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Jacob, the story of Jacob, later on, God saved the Israelites through Joseph when Jacob moved his entire family to Egypt to survive the famine. Then in my dream, the angel of the Lord said to me, Jacob, and I replied, yes, I am. Next slide, Samuel. He was used in many ways from a young age, right? From a young age, kids, kids there could be used by God right now. He, Samuel was used to anoint Saul and David, the first kings of Israel. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time and once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Did you call me? And then there's Isaiah, he became a prophet, um, especially in speaking the truth of Jesus' coming to earth to save us. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said. And then there's Ananias, bit different, but um, God used Ananias to communicate about Jesus with Paul, the apostle, who, who at that time was terrorizing the Jews. And Paul ended up traveling all around and spreading the gospel to the nations. Now there was a deliverer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias Yes, Lord, he replied. God needs you and God needs me as well to take action, to make 
the commitment. God has a plan and is ready to move. When God calls you by name, what are you doing? Are you just standing there and contemplating your options? Or are you gonna go up to Him and say, here I am? And maybe you're in your seat right now and you're probably asking, what, so what is it that I'm committing to, you know? Is this chick asking me to commit to more? You know, I already serve in the church. Or do I drop everything and be in the, full, the ministry full time in the sense that I'm quitting my job, you know, laying down my life fully? All I'm saying is this, commit to God's plan. And here's what I know, and it'll be up on the screen. God's plan is that every person would come to know Him and walk with Him. God's plan is for you to do good works with the gifts that He has given you. God's plan is that you would spread the good news. God's plan is that you would conform to His image and likeness. God's plan is the same for everybody, yet it looks differently specifically because of your giftings, because, well, yeah, as on the screen. But um, I can fil- fulfill my commitment to God's plan where I'm currently serving in the youth ministry, in the creative ministry. Sarita, who, who leads Centric Kids Ipswich, she does an amazing job. She fulfills her commitment to God's plan where she's currently serving in the kids ministry or outside of the church context, a business person can commit to God's plan by ensuring that their workplace, that in their workplace, you know, they stay true to Christian values and maintain a Christian world view. If that's God's plan for everyone, what is it that God specifically calls you to? And that's what we're gonna um, dive into this morning. Now, there's a photo that's gonna come up now, who's ever heard of the phrase sitting on the fence? Or maybe, maybe you've said it yourself. <laughs> this morning, um, I want to address some commitment fences that you might find yourself on when contemplating God's plan. Should I? Should I not? It's plain and simple, really. You're either committed or you're not. Because being on the fence, just considering just knowing God's plan, that's not commitment. And so there's three, um, there's three fences that we're gonna address. So the first one is commitment versus availability. Now, I found the internet's definition of commitment actually very interesting. There were two, two different definitions on the same page. The first one was commitment is a state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or activity, et cetera, et cetera. The second one is that commitment is an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. So I wanna ask you, by what definition are you operating by when you are serving the kingdom of God? Is commitment a state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or is commitment to you an engagement or obligation that restricts you? And they actually underline the word restricts in, um, in the dictionary. Because church, it's an honour and privilege to serve the church, capital C. It's an honour and privilege to serve Centro Church. 
We shouldn't measure how or where you serve based on the level of commitment required from a time or energy perspective. Because sometimes saying yes to God means that you've got to say no to a whole lot of other things. If you're a youth leader in the room, you would know. We run Discipleship 101 fortnightly with them on a Monday. We, we sometimes run Midweek Connects. Friday nights are taken up pretty much. They commit so much of their time and I know that there's a whole, especially for their you know, age group, there's a whole other so, lot of social events that they wanna be at. But they, they say no to that because they choose to commit to God's plan and serve in the youth ministry and make a difference. What is it for you, church? What is it for you? Commitment means that certain decisions are made in advance, irrespective of the circumstances. Sacrifice is necessary. Luke 9, 23 to 24 says this. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Faith and serving the Lord doesn't restrict your freedom. It does it one better. It saves your life. When you're committed, you have a purpose. And how great that you actually have heard this purpose. You have heard the good news. There's so many people out there who are living purposeless, hopeless, because they haven't heard this, but you have. But our commitment to God, it can't, be, it can't be fleeting as well. It can't be an emotional thing. Oh, just when I feel like it. It must be sustained. In other words, lifelong. And you know, our deeds are an essential way of demonstrating our dedication to Him. So I wanna ask you, are you sitting on this fence of commitment versus, oh, my availability? Are you evaluating based on that? The second one is this. Commitment versus false gods. Total commitment means that God is the sole authority. He is your guiding light and your unerring compass. Because the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord, sorry, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Our hearts must only be set on what delights his heart. Our minds must be anchored only to his word as the final authority. Our souls must be satisfied only with what pleases him. And our strength must be spent on what serves him alone. Anything else that sits on the throne of your life is a commitment to a false God. And our God is a jealous God, yet we have the nerve to create divine competition by inviting other gods into our life. Maybe you've idolized yourself or actually recreated what fellowship looks like based on your preference, wherein religion can serve our made identity rather than Christ identifying us. And there's been an emergence of a new breed of Christian disciples, disciples, wherein they read the verse of the day on the Bible app. They listen to a podcast or a sermon. 
They get inspired by the celebrity pasta highlight reel posted on Instagram or TikTok. <coughs> or they just listen to worship when they ever feel down or even only on a Sunday at church. <coughs> Again, nothing wrong with all of these things if you do it, but something is wrong if that's all you do. Church, we are called to more than this level of commitment. So I wanna ask you, have you projected your values, your preferences, your way of life to God to meet your desires? Because if commitment requires sacrifice, then you have got a lot to change. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. <coughs> and now I don't mean to offend anyone here because I understand it was a really popular decor at one point, but um, I kind of disagree with that statement, um, follow your dreams. I don't know if you guys have seen those things come around. Um, or even, you know, when people say, commit to yourself, or when they say, don't give up on yourself. And I get it. I can see the perspective that it's coming from, right? It's encouraging, but I disagree because following your dreams doesn't always equal the plan that God has for you. You, as you are, are not strong enough to sustain yourself when they say commit to yourself or don't give up on yourself. It should be don't give up on God, who is your strength. Commit yourself to God, who gives you a purpose. You alone cannot give yourself a purpose. That is not gonna keep you going. And lastly, if I may address Matthew 10, 37, 38. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. Can you imagine just God saying that to you? Just if he were in front of you right now and he said, based on what you've done, you're not worthy of being mine. I, I, I feel like that would hurt <laughs> a lot. But our love for anyone, even our own mother and father, it seems, it can't supersede our love for God. Now I understand there's practical implications with that, right? Jesus is describing the true cost um, of being a true disciple. But if we love God the most, then we will choose to follow him despite any persuasion or influence that would hinder us. The love for God that Jesus describes causes us to actually give up anything and everything that deters our passion for him. So I wanna ask you, I maybe, are you sitting on this fence? What false gods, perhaps, disguised as excuses that you've made in the past, have you put on the throne of God? And my third point, <clears throat> my last point, is commitment versus keeping control. Now, Johnny and I have been part of the Alpha Marriage course that the church has been running every Thursday. Um, we highly recommend it. The last two weeks, we covered conversation and resolving conflict. And so we recently redid our discussion 
on um, chores assigned in the house. Any married couples understand the, st the ongoing stress that it brings? You know, it's always a big debate. Um, but both parties are up for, I'm not blaming Johnny on this one. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's not here, right? <laughs> anyway, we had, so we ended up reassigning. We ended up re-agreeing on who would do who what at home. Um, but to be honest with you, there was still a little bit of doubt in me that this wouldn't work. But Holy Spirit revealed to me in that moment, and I was very, I was actually very aware and very clear of this, that I actually had to let go of my previous experience and expectation and had to trust that Johnny would follow through. And I'm sure he had to trust that I would do the same. And honestly, what helped um, was this phrase that he used when I would say, but this happened. And he's like, no, 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 clean slate, clean slate. Yeah, but you, no, 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 clean slate. And you know, since the discussion with that mindset of, of trust and having a clean slate, it has been very cooperative. It has been very successful. I had a busy week, so the house is a bit of a mess, but we'll, we'll, we've got, we know what to do now. We've assigned it, so it's gonna be good. Um, but Psalm 37.5, right? Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do this. In order to truly commit to Him, we have to believe that God will deliver on His promises. It is easy to love a fellow human who we can see, who we can touch, who we can hear, who we can hug, but it's far more challenging to love a God that we can't see. And you know, who allows us to go through challenging trials and who has made us promises that we have yet to see fulfilled. There's a security in keeping control, but when we commit to God, we have to truly surrender. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. To honour God is to obey Him. You know, it's evidence that we actually trust that He is telling us the truth and we have the confidence in Him. Evidently, it's the only way that we can offer in return for the commitment of Jesus' suffering for our salvation. And so I wanna ask you, are you sitting on this fence? Maybe you've got to start walking by faith and not by sight. And so to summarize, how many fences, if none, are you sitting on today? Is it commitment versus availability, right? You shouldn't measure how or where you choose to serve in the church or in your life based on the level of commitment required from a time or energy perspective. Are you sitting on the fence of commitment versus false gods? What false gods, perhaps disguised as excuses, have you put on the throne of God? Commitment versus keeping control is the other fence. Is that you? Is that where you're at? Are you walking by faith and not by sight, trusting and obeying God as His Word commands? I'm believing that as a church, that as we grow in our relationship with God, that's where you truly get to know Him 
and His plans for your life. Where you can come to the altar and you can say, here I am. That when God calls your name specifically, when Holy Spirit speaks to you and gives you this idea or this vision of, of how you can move in, your, in, in the space where you have influence, where God can move, that you would say, here I am. That you would commit every action to God. And let Holy Spirit guide you and we see God move. Thank you for listening to this podcast.